Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a I'm Jackie Cation, and you're listening to The Dork Forest. You've done it. You've chosen wisely. Uh, the website's JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. Uh, JackieCation.com has everything, right? This podcast uh, links to my other podcast, links to my calendar for when stand-up comedy happens again, uh, links to the merch. If you want a Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt, if you want any of my stand-up uh, merchandise, there's a bunch of new merch over there. There's uh, the old pins. There's new. There's a new challenge coin. There's a bunch of t-shirts. There's CDs. There's my DVD. And uh, there's some video. And there's more of the information that you could deal with. Also, so that's on the that's on JackieCation.com. And there's a link on, of course, dorkforest.com to the merch page. Uh, the other thing you could do is you go to iTunes and review the show. That's always something that's supposed to help. Hi. You might be listening to the show on Pandora or Spotify or Amazon or Stitcher or some other place. Anyway, you might be just listening to it at dorkforest.com, which will also have the videos. As long as we're in COVID, as long as we're in quarantine, I am doing Zoom. I'm doing this show as also a video show. So you can go to the YouTube page and get a bunch of that. That also has a bunch of my stand-up clips on it as well. Let's do the credits. Hey, Mike Rickberg wrote and composed that song that you just heard, and he sang it with his wife, Sarah. He will sing at the end of the program uh, his words to the Mexican hat dance. Very glamorous. Uh, Patrick Brady fixes the audio, the video. He does everything, and he really kind of keeps me sane. Loving Patrick uh, Brady, especially uh, in these days. And then uh, Vilmos uh, keeps uh, JackieCation.com rocking and rolling, as the kids say. There are several ways to support the show. I've already mentioned reviewing the show on iTunes. Uh, you could also you could also just tell people that you love the show. That's always something. You could repost it if it's a particular episode you enjoy. You could join the Ranger page on Facebook if you like. That's just a bunch of people who love the show, and they can riff on each other and, and, and talk about the show and dorky things that they love themselves. My Twitter, Instagram, and all things Snapchat at Jackie Cation. If you ever want to get in touch with me, it's Jackie at JackieCation.com. That's my email address. And uh, if you want to donate, you can just give me money, quite honestly. You can PayPal me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, or use the button on JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com, and it comes directly to me. I will use it, in this case, enormously wisely on things like shelter and food uh, until I'm on the road again. And then, uh, and I appreciate whatever you could send. If you want to make it monthly, if you do monthly things, you can make the PayPal thing monthly. You can also, if you don't like PayPal, you could pay me by Venmo. My Venmo is just my name, Jackie hyphen Cation, and then a picture of me windswept, I believe. Uh, other than that, um, yeah. Oh, Bandcamp. You, if you've run out of episodes to watch and would like more, there are live episodes on banddorkforest.bandcamp.com. And there's uh, a bunch of episodes. There's 200 episodes before I started pre-recording. The best 17 of the horrible audio that they were are on Bandcamp. So you can listen to those for free. There's a bunch of uh, live ones that are like two bucks a piece because they cost me some money to produce. So I charge you a couple of bucks. There's also a storytelling album if you like that. So much info. Let's get into the show. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. I'm in my garage again, and this time with a New York comic that I don't know, but I'm excited to meet you, Kevin James Doyle. Welcome to the Dork Forest. Hi, Jackie. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Sure. It's uh, Now, the Dork Forest is... Now, here's the thing about Kevin James Doyle. You should know that he has a new album out, and it's uh, called 30-Year-Old Virgin. So check that out. And you have your own podcast, which is the Bradshaw Boys, Yes. where you discuss... Sex in the City? Yes. We're, we're three guys who are watching <laughs> Sex in the City for the first time ever. So, uh, and it's, Better you than me, my friend. It's, uh, good it's for been, you. It's been quite a journey. <laughs> how many episodes, how many episodes of, of the show, like how many, we, what we, are there? There are, well, the season finale is split into, the series finale is split into two episodes and those are our next yeah. two episodes. So by the time this interview oh, so comes out, oh, you guys are cruising. Oh yeah, yeah. By the time this comes out, we will have finished the entire series, and we've wow. we've had on almost most of the cast. We've had on Sarah Jessica Parker and 
Kristen Davis. That's because you live in New York and you get to have people. (laughs) Exactly. Are you going to do Gilmore Girls next? What are you guys going to do next? No, you know, we're going to, I think we're going to like do some shows. We're going to do not entire series, but I think we're going to do like, um, we're going to dip in on different ones. You should do Deadwood. Oh, I Uh, love Deadwood. Did you ever see Deadwood? Oh, yes. Oh, you saw it already. Okay. Yeah. We want to do Golden Girls. Uh, because oh, yeah. it's, you know, and then we're, we're going to do some other shows, but we're also, people love sex and the city so much. We're going to go back and rewatch and try and get our listeners involved a little more. Um, because oh, nice. yeah, so we, there's, you know, we're, we're just going to start it over from scratch. Like most people do with their favorite show. I wrote, uh, a review of sex and the city, the second movie, uh, that I saw and I insist that I saw it by accident <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Because you know how there's always that thing you can relate to one of the characters? Mm -hmm. And it turns out in Sex and the City 2, the character I most relate to is the Arab guy that tries to get Samantha uh, arrested (laughs) for uh, giving someone fellatio in a public restaurant. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, put him. I'm I'm on his side. That's the character I identify. Anyway, so uh, not a huge fan of Sharia law, but that just seems common decency. (laughs) I'm I'm not saying anything... Did you see the movies? We're, Have you seen the movies we're yet? Gonna, we're going to do the movies. And I've heard that Sex and the City 2 is among one of the worst movies ever made. So, um, Ever made. Ever, ever, ever. And and not in a funny way. Yeah. Bit of a pity that. I don't know if you ever saw Overboard. Uh, but that is a terrible movie that I thoroughly love. Yeah. So I, there, that's Goldie Hawn. And- so, so many people are messaging us being like, Hey, already pre-apologizing as fans being like, don't be too hard on Sex and the City 2. Just just stop it. Like people, people like collectively across the world are like, we know we apologize. We know. (laughs) Right, right. We liked the show. The show was great. And then and the show did have some a lot of potential to do some good stuff in the beginning. Right. And then not that we're here to talk about Sex and the City. You guys go to the Bradshaw boys uh, and hear you. All your Sex in the City needs uh, will be fulfilled. Yes. I promise you. <laughs> Kevin James Doyle. And if you go at Kevin James Doyle on Twitter and Instagram and all the things, uh, you'll be able to follow him on all that. And uh, the new album is called 30-Year-Old Virgin. And uh, we'll leave that as a mystery because this makes me laugh because you wanted to talk about music and Rangers of the Dork Forest know that I don't know anything enough about any kind of music so you you want this is you are gonna have to start at the beginning because you've picked somebody that i've i have one christmas song that i've heard of this guy okay christmas card from a hooker in yes okay that's the one the minneapolis one yes yes Yes. that's why i've heard it is he still alive tom waits okay is he still here this is such a great the uh, you know like an hour hour before I was just like what if I forget everything that has ever been happened you know like you think well, and now I'm just you, so excited to share this person sure. with you so I was yeah. I was in I was playing video games when I was like 14 I was playing like Madden oh 1998 or something and then good for you for playing it not as a button masher go <laughs> and uh, yes I when I turned it off Letterman was on it was late. And there was just a cookie monster guy like screaming into a microphone. And I just remember pre-internet, I saw that and then they went to commercial and I never got the person's name. And it wasn't until like five years later that I heard the voice again and I found out it was Tom Waits. So I went to the local record store and just like literally the world opened up to me because he has had so many albums out by that point. So his career... I'll start with his like career with the album you're talking about, which is like he was kind of like a lounge singer, and he was kind of just oh. like, kind of like weird. Wait, Tom Tom Waits of the Gravel Voice was a lounge singer, kind of like drunken lounge singer. Think that, just like, okay. hey, how you doing, Bob? Like, like the Pogues, like the Pogues. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It would be like that's more pub music, maybe. Yeah, it was just like drunken piano ballads, and he's okay. just. And he has like the best origin story ever because he got pretty popular at that point. Like he had a few songs that were mini hits and Bruce Springsteen covered one of his songs. And then he's like hammered all the time. He's, you know, doing drugs, pretty strung out. Then he meets this woman, his wife, Kathleen Brennan, on the set of Francis Ford Coppola movie that he was doing music for and she was doing some rewrites for. It's called One from the Heart. Okay. And okay. She basically is like 
they fall deeply in love. They get married. She, she gets him sober. And his music went fucking bonkers after that. Like, he got sober, and then his music just turned into the most insane, unusual stuff ever. So I just love that, like, he got sober and fell in love and became a family man. And then his art went off the cliff of into crazy town. And it's like the coolest, his music gets so weird after that. So then he kind of put the piano away and started like literally like playing with like trash in a room and beatboxing and crazy, crazy stuff. So. Okay. Wow. Okay. So while you told me that fascinating story, I, I Googled two things. Yeah. One, one from the heart was a movie that came out in 1981. Mm hmm. And he was already very successful if he's writing the soundtrack to a film. Yes. Right? Yes. So he must have been around before 1981 doing music. Yes. So... Okay. Closing time was probably 1975. And that's kind of... um, That's his first album. And it's like, I think, Capitol Records. And it's like him... Like, pretty poppy music. I mean, poppy, poppy by his standards. Like... You still listen to it. When you look on Spotify, it's still his first single from his first album that is still his most listened to song. And it's called, and it's just like, well, I hope that I don't fall in love with you. Like, it's got like, (laughs) it's like kind of hipper, Jim Croce-ish, not that kind of like normal sounding pop music. like. Right, right, just sort of a ballad, yeah. just ballad stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. And now, and in 1980, he was 30 years old. Oh my god! That's gosh. the other thing that we know. Yeah, because wow. he is 70 years old at this time, according to Wikipedia. I don't know if you do this, but whenever I whenever I compare ages of what people did at what time, like it, I always immediately am like, what? Am I as successful as Tom Waits at 30? Obviously not, <laughs> but I like. <laughs> You find out like, wow, that's going to beat you up forever. I if know. You keep doing that because I don't think you're much older than that, right? Did, no. I didn't, isn't your album called 30 Year Old Virgin? Yeah, and, and exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I don't recommend that, especially since he was such a mess when he was 25. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, his so his career, a lot like some of his most successful songs now are from that pre era like when when you look at numbers when you look at strict numbers it's like he he has a song called the piano has been drinking that's like still pretty popular and he has a lot of like you know kind of like just those anthems for young men kind of thing there's like hunter s thompson david foster wallace i'm gonna be an emo dude over in the corner but i'm also incredibly you know, artistic and I, but I'm also hammered and drugged up. Yes. So and very like, the, I, I think he dug into being like, you know what it is to be a, if I play piano, like I have to be drunk or else is it even art? <laughs> right, right, right. It's a, it's everyone falling in love with, they're like, well, maybe if I got drunk, yeah. I could, or if I did drugs, I might be this amazing. But then you just said in 19, he, in 1981 or so he sobers up. And his career changes diametrically or? Yes. So he comes out with this album called Swordfish Trombones, which, which I still like his older albums before that, but like, I don't, but Swordfish Trombones is like, people were so confused. They were like, what is this? There was still some piano stuff going on, but like weird, um, you know, marimba, marimba, um, marimba, Marimba, yeah, there's like marimba on there and there's like really weird percussion things and then most of all before a lot of that he would sing like i don't know he'd sing kind of like this like how you do and then his voice like literally becomes cookie monster times 10 like he starts doing insane stuff with his voice um that are just like that it sounds like like it turns off so many people you're either like with yeah. him at that point or you're not in like the next 30 years. Like he does, he doesn't do any favors for people that need a pretty voice. He's like, oh, okay. Um, he's, and so, does he have, does is, so that isn't his voice. The one that he's singing sometimes. Um, he has like, he even talks about it at length in some interviews, but he's like, I thought I had one voice, but he's like, I, I think my voice is just like, you can play a song, 50 different ways. He's like every single song that I have calls for a different voice. Um, okay. 
And so there's like beautiful little songs that he has. He has a quote where he says he writes um, Grand Weepers, sad songs, and Grim Reapers. Yeah. So he has songs. Okay. He has songs that are called like um, Misery's the River of the World. (laughs) And then he has like (laughs) a song that's called like You Can Never Hold Back Spring. And they're like these like beautiful little songs. So he's he's like a cool version of Harry Chapin. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard any. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like a cool. I don't know. Yeah. I used to love Harry Chapin when I was in college back in the 12th century. (laughs) And uh, and it was and it was sort of that he had this song. uh, Harry Chapin had a song about a baby dying, a newborn. And then he also had this song about, you know, man, you st- you're doing it. You're, you're keep going. Like, I wish right. I actually, t- uh, th- actually, I think he only had, sa- that's actually not true. I don't think he had a spring song. I can't <laughs> remember. Cause I can only remember taxi and cats in the cradle and, um, cats in the cradle is one of are- those songs that, yeah, like you're just like humming along and then you listen to the lyrics and you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's like yeah, so yeah, tragic. Yeah. It's tragic, and you're just like, dude, just call your dad. It's exactly. Not, I mean, it's he did the best he could. He's probably an idiot. Yeah, you just got to uh, forgive him, sorta, get a coffee. Yeah. yeah. Get, yeah, just, yeah. So uh, that's kind of, so Swordfish, like, what are the, I wonder what the, so in 1983, he releases this Swordfish of Trombones. Yes. And that is huh. kind of, uh, he... He got a new record label. Um, he left his record label so he could have complete artistic. And also his, his wife, actually, from this point on, he credits every single song that he writes with his wife. He's co- Everything's co-credited. So from the second he met his wife, everything is written by Tom Waits and Kathleen Brennan. And okay. he, he has lots of quotes about it. He says, like, uh, people are like, what's your process? And he's like, I wash, I wash the dishes and she dries them. Like, he basically, like, he founds, finds this artistic soulmate. And he's, he has another beautiful quote where he says, like, even if she didn't work on the song with me, she inspired it. And so she is part of every part of his process. And Swordfish Trombones is the first version of that. That's their first collaboration. That's his first time on this new label. And he kind mm-hmm. of finds his footing, and then his probably like artistic masterpiece is the album that came out after that, which is called Okay Rain Dogs. Rain Dogs. Yes. Okay. And by this point, I was born. This is when I was born. When I found out this is the year I was born, I was like, I like kind of attached myself to that album. I was like, this means something. Um, it was, <laughs> And, uh, I love, I love, you're great. <laughs> you're, you're just like, no, man, it's gotta be about me. I don't think you, I don't, I think you get it yeah. anyway. But I, I mean, cause it's, it's like, it's what we all do, but yeah. yours is such, it comes from such a sweet place <laughs> where you're like, no, this must mean something. Right. I mean, I'm right here yeah. I mean, and it's awesome. So if, yeah. If so I'm, rain dogs, is it good? Yes, it is like, it is like the least in the only thing cohesive about the album is is like him because it is like the weirdest sounds like every song is a new weird adventure it's about crazy characters about uh like weird dark seedy things and then just the weirdest noises he started working with this one guitarist named Mark Rabot and like he does all these like weird sounds with the guitar and they have weird instruments and it sounds like okay. It sounds like he's in like a junkyard, banging on things and growling. And then you also could like tear up at like a lyric. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's what I kind of. I mean, that's what I've. I I know that the one song that I know, which is mm-hmm. that Christmas song, mm-hmm. uh, the lyrics are beautiful. Yeah. He's just he seems incredibly poetic and and really, it's yeah. Well, there's something so like masculine and like intense about his energy because he's very like like if anyone hasn't heard his music which a lot of people haven't but it's like he sounds like he's like every time i go like and so there'll be a song like that and then he'll have he has a lyric called no one puts no one puts flowers on a flower's grave and it's just like you're just like how does this dude how does he just like is so in touch with like 
his emotions and then also just like you just don't hear that coming out of that voice right that voice and those words mm-hmm. i mean if you think about it some of the most mcgruff the crime dog dudes you know are like Oh, here's here's a flower. Exactly. And so, I mean, it's almost like being that tough. You can sort of lap yourself. Yeah. And 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 be okay with with the emotion because he's seventy. I mean, it's not it's not like it was encouraged in you know in 1965 to be a ten year old with aware of your own you know <laughs> emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Totally. I think like and and I do think there's something that's cool that getting rid of the dumb destroying your life poetry that is like, you know, you don't need to be, you don't need to destroy yourself to be interesting. You know, like you don't have to, uh, you can actually have a stable marriage and you can sing super weird and you don't need to, you can remember last night that has nothing to do with whether your music is good. Um, right. It's one of the great fears and one of the great myths, you know, mm-hmm. the Hemingway kind of Hunter S. Thompson, totally. where there has to be mental unbalance, there has to be drug and alcohol use, there has to be all of this, you know, violence or yeah. some damn thing. You have to be broken in some way to create this art. Yeah. And even I think I, I love I'm a big Beatles fan, but everybody loves to and it's just because they're more popular, but everyone loves to be like, this is when they did acid. This is like when you can hear like they started smoking weed on like during these albums and you can hear that with a lot of 60s music. And I think there's still like there's like a weird everyone gets so thrilled about like then they did drugs, then they went nuts. Then and same with like lots of musicians. And this is the for me, it was super influential. And like I, I don't get into drugs and stuff, but just to hear like an artistic opposite story of that that it's like this dude literally became yeah. the most vanilla life and his art went went insane off the rails it's so great yeah and well it's it's such a great fear of any you know i mean i think about hedberg you know mm-hmm. mitch hedberg mm-hmm. and and how great he could have been if he had sobered up if he had yeah. if he had gotten clean and um you know, and that's true, but it's the great fear is that you're going to lose this weird artistic edge when in, in reality, no, it turns out your your work ethic uh, goes up uh, quite a bit if you're not hungover all the time. Yeah. And you can get some shit done. So And, and um, if you're and if you're not dead, like it bums me out whenever people die and you're just like, you know, like even even Prince and Tom Petty, I don't think people prop since they were already like at, towards the end of their career. They didn't mm-hmm. totally, um, re- like society, it doesn't seem like totally reckoned with the fact that it's like they died of drug overdoses. Like we should have right. five more albums from Tom Petty and f- five more albums from Prince and they, they weren't 25. So it doesn't feel nope. as tragic, but it's like, no, they died of drug overdoses and that sucks. Like yeah. we, Prince yeah. should be around right now, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. um, and and so but so, so Tom Waits is Tom, Tom Waits, Waits is going to die in his bed with his shoes off surrounded by loved ones it's yeah, going to be great exactly so okay so uh Rain Dogs is masterpiece album if anybody out there wants to get into Tom Waits you start with the early stuff that is like that's that's your light drugs and then once you do Rain Dogs that's your hardcore art drugs for Tom Waits okay that's the pure stuff right um and then um, the one cool thing about that was I bought Rain Dogs because that's what okay. someone told me. They're like, you got to buy this album. And I listened to it and I gave it to my friend. I was like, this sucks. This is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, and this is <laughs> after I was already a fan of his earlier stuff. Right. You were right. I, I went to Circuit City, RIP, and I got <laughs> I, I got Rain Dogs. Speaking of losing it all because of drugs, <laughs> fucking Circuit City, man. Come Good on. Lord. And Best Buy, they they actually, you know, they stuck around. They were nice. They Best Buy was the kept pimp, their man. Shit Best Buy was the one. He was the he was the one. Hey, Circuit City, you have you tried this? <laughs> exactly. Look at this. Look at this adapter. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ra- so bad. And, Go ahead. <laughs> neither of them were ever as bad as Radio Shack. That that was the. the they, which holds on, which hold both Best Buy and Radio Shack are like by the skin of their teeth. They're holding on. <laughs> Hilarious. So I got that album and I was just, I listened to it once and I was like, what is ha-? like brain couldn't compute. I gave it to my friend and, 
and then he had it about six months later he gave it back to me and he's like i don't want it either i'm gonna throw it away i was like well don't throw it away he gave it back to me after six months i gave it another shot probably out of some Mm -hmm. like i know i'm supposed to like this because cool people said i should right and it totally clicked like i fell it clicked i fell in love i like i totally understood it i totally was wasn't Mm -hmm. bothered by the voice anymore because it is like really aggressive like i can't play him around my mom or else she was like why i just don't get it why why <laughs> it's just, yeah it's just real is it just loud and a lot of is it or is it drum is it percussive it's it's mostly just his voice it's like it, oh, okay it's everything about it is is weird but if he was just singing over top in a normal way but like he's just barking like a dog or he's like even a ballad he's like everybody listen to like it is very just like (laughs) you're concerned for him you're like are like (laughs) stop smoking and he's like i did right okay do you need some tea yeah do you have uh like did you listen to it start to finish did you just go i'm like like you like we're all told to listen to albums yes and i still am kind of addicted to to that like it's still hard for me to not listen to albums all the way through but i specifically remember starting it going to the end and listening to it all the way through three times okay so just sitting in my room three times in a row just yeah world opening up before my eyes you know like as like and, the, and, and this is 1985 so like he's yeah. still is he still writing and producing mu- music oh yeah yeah so he um his like since then then he came out with an album that was even weirder that won a a grammy and more people and then keith richards found out about him who's the rolling stones guitarist and yeah keith Keith richards is like a huge fan keith richards is like okay so he he's the type of guy that has like famous people people more successful than him are like you are the guy you know um so right he he probably has 10 or 15 albums since rain dogs um okay 10 or 15. Well, that makes sense. 85. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been 35 years. Uh, so he, he could do, so that's an album. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's he, a lot of albums. His, his last is not his last time. This is uh, last album before like two albums ago. Mm-hmm. He never played piano and it was almost like, I would say that this was like the full, uh, the climax of his like, weird origin like he gave up playing piano at all like this is the first time he didn't have that and he started beatboxing his son got into rap music and okay he started playing rap music and and uh and tom waits is like whoa this is this is crazy and so he beatboxed on like half the album and i know it's like it's not him being like my name's Tom Waits and what's up? Like it's his version. Um, but one thing that I thought was cool, more spoken word. I bet it's, it's like, no, it's like him being like a boom, boom, ka, a boom, boom, ka. And okay. And what? And so when he found out about sampling, I feel like this is kind of his, like, uh, goes into his psyche. When he found out about sampling, he was like, no, he's like, you can't sample it. He's like, because then it's the same noise for five minutes so he's like it's it's like five seconds and then repeated so all the songs that he beatbox on he does he does the full beatbox for like six minutes and he's like he's kind of obsessed with like the human like flaws and errors he's like i don't want every beat to sound the same like i want me to my voice to get tired and i want every boom boom chick to feel different throughout the whole song and what's funny is like it's, okay. it's just him being obsessed with uh it's it's funny when you hear it that it's like his son listened to rap music and then as a dad I bet his son was just like dad oh my gosh what a dork you know like, like <laughs> this is what he took away from listening to cool rap music is like yeah, yeah. beatboxing as a garage No you're you're ruining it dad you're yeah. ruin that's not that's not that's not I got to go buy pants that are too big for me yeah, I'll be exact, right back Exactly and, uh, <laughs> So oh my god that's so funny Yeah and he hasn't done anything he hasn't released anything for 10, 10 years now 
And I have a friend who is friends with his son on Facebook and told me okay. that sometimes in their Facebook feed, they'll just have a picture of like a family picture at the beach and in the back is just like Tom Waits in the back. So I'm like, that's the only piece of like what he's been up to that I've heard for like 10 years that like, I'm like, all right, I guess he's just hanging out with his family. He's, so not playing, just kind of liter- no. literally living his life. Yeah. Um, the last, that's kind of interesting. The la- The very last concert that he played in the United States, I was at. Um, and he's okay. He's only played probably about a hundred shows in the past, like 20, 25 years. Um, yeah. he just does not play live that often. And, um, when he, did you, when did you first see him? I first saw him on, um, in 2006 and, okay. uh, I saw him in Chicago. I got tickets and drove out to Chicago to see him. I, I lived in Columbus from at where? the time. From Columbus. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's not as bad. Okay. It's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then, and it was, it was great. It was awesome. And any Tom Waits fan is just like, you saw him. Cause like no one, very few people have seen him cause he plays very well. Okay. And, and then, he doesn't, what kind of event does he play auditoriums or stadiums or he, does he do it like that? Or he plays really old, beautiful theaters, you know? So it'll be like a okay. 2000 to see, like I saw him at the Chicago theater, which is like three, 3000 seats. Yeah. And, yeah. And, just one of those old Fox theaters. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I saw him a few years later in Columbus and I was like, this is like, and he came to my hometown. I got one ticket. Uh, and then my dad got another ticket cause they sold out and like Ticketmaster, like you pressed a button and then we're in a queue. And then 30 minutes later, yeah. they're like, you can get one seat in the back of whatever. So after the show, I was like on cloud nine and I talked to someone at the show cause I bought tickets like the day they came out. I talked to someone at the show that there was like an extra release of tickets. Um, And they're like, I got my ticket like two weeks ago. So I went home on Ticketmaster and I woke up the next morning. I was like, I'll see. And there was tickets in Atlanta for like five days from then. I got online. I just put two tickets in. I pressed enter. And uh, that Saturday, like five days later, two second row tickets came up. And I... What? I flipped out. People offered me for my tickets in Columbus $1,200 cash. They were just like, right. Like, I could have sold both of those tickets for $3,000 a piece, probably. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. And, Something crazy. Yeah. So I bought them. And then my dad came home and I was like, we have to go to Atlanta on Saturday. And he was like, why? And I was like, <laughs> I got Tom Waits tickets. And he's like, what? So we. That's cool. Yeah. So we hopped in and then. So it was the best show. I quit seeing concerts for probably five years after that. It like ruined live. <laughs> I was just like, it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. He's very funny performer. He kind of like half 30 minutes of the show. He just like tells weird made up funny stories. So he has like a, okay. he has like a weird. That's cool. Yeah. Like if you look at his old Letterman appearances, it's like, he's kind of like a comic you know, like he's doing jokes and doing weird, like doing funny panel things and like riffing with David Letterman. So he has like this yeah. p- performer vibe of like, and he has like weird one liners and stuff. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, I saw that. And then NPR released that concert. Like a few months later, they were like, here's a live audio of this show that Tom Waits did in Atlanta. So I have like NPR released this like two and a half hour show that I was at in like, perfect audio so i get to like relive it occasionally which is which is fun and and that was like 2009 yeah that was that was 2008 it was the month before i moved to new york city it was july of 2008 okay and then i moved to new york like a month later okay so wow so you okay have you and have you seen him since that's the last show he's played in the united states so he hasn't played a single show he hasn't played a single you concert s- since But then. you've seen him three times. Yes. And I've I've seen like 60-year-old dudes with Tom Waits shirts on. And I'm like, did you ever see him? They're like, no, that's my dream. And I was like, if I tell him I've seen him three times, they're just like, 
they're like, don't want to talk to me anymore. They're like, I hate you. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's why. <laughs> yeah, and but it's almost like you kind of just want to say, you're right to want to see them. Yes. Because it is really cool. Yeah. But it feels like you're sort of rubbing it in their face. And you're like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be a dick, but I just want to tell you that you're right. It's a really cool show. So. Yeah. And also I have like kind of, I get kind of like a bone to pick with people that don't see live stuff because all I've done is gotten on Ticketmaster and pressed enter. And I can understand like not, but it's like, if you, if you have some amount, unless it's like cost prohibitive. It's yeah. sort of like with any live things. I'm like, whenever people are like, oh, you, you got to go. Right. Right. You got to go. And it's interesting because um, it's almost like, like if, yeah, so it, like I wanted to see Hamilton, mm-hmm. but it was cost prohibitive. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And so it took a couple of years and then I saw it and then I saw it again and I was very pleased. But uh, the, uh, but I don't. But I, it would be weird if I were to be mad that someone saw a show of something that I was unwilling to put the effort into going yeah. to. Like, I'm not a big um, live music person. Yeah. I find – I like listening to music on CDs and digi- – you know, I just like to listen to music. Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily need the to have my hearing destroyed. But do you – I mean uh, – in, in the event. As I mean, you're a live – comedian performer and it's sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels like pulling teeth like you kind of have to put the work in to get people to come out to to enjoy live things like because it is so much easier to sit at home and be like watch tv but it's like there's not a single television show or movie that i experience in the way i have anything like anything live but it's like it's it's I don't know. Like I, I remember that show and a few other times, like I go back to that in my brain all the time because I'll never be able to do that again. That is it. And, and I don't know, there's just like, I could, I could yell forever about how important it is to get, like, it's great that you went and see Hamilton. I still talk to people that are still just like, Oh man, I would love to see that. Or like, how'd you get tickets? And it's like, well, I mean, I, I bought them. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saved up. I bought some tickets. Uh, it was weird. Yeah. Uh, to to spend a lot of money on something, but I was psyched when I saw it. And then when the original cast came out on Disney Plus, uh, I mean, now everybody can see it, and and they they did an amazing job with it. Quite yeah. honestly, um, the I don't filming wanna, of it, and I don't want to make you jealous, but I saw Hamilton um, the night. I, I just did what you're saying. I just was like, put it on a credit card. I was like, whatever. And I went that night Figure with the original out. cast. And that uh. night they came out and bowed. And then they were like, we just found out Lin-Manuel won the Pulitzer. So it was like, and everyone like started cheering and was like, you know, and then tickets were probably 400 bucks, which was like, you know, pretty tough. But the next day yeah. tickets from then on for like a year were cheapest ones you could get were like 800. And I was like, Right. It was no. it was eight 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 hundred to twelve hundred dollars plus a flight to New York and a hotel. Mm. So I couldn't do it. Yeah. And then but I have to say that uh I, uh I saw it and it was but I have friends who saw it at the public before it went to Broadway mm-hmm. and saw it multiple times at the public, multiple times on Broadway before it blew up. Oh. And then, and then with, with each of the new casts. And then I saw it with the LA cast and then I went and I saw it with the new New York cast. Okay. And so those are the two times I've seen that. And that's kind of amazing. But, um, so, but I'm looking at what I'm looking at here. First of all, uh, what I usually do with musical episodes yep, is yep, I yep. like to ask people to do like a Spotify list of like eight songs. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, because if you're willing to do that and then send me a link to that, I'll listen to it. I absolutely. And it, it might be a nice arc of yes. This is this is it's just a taste of what I'm missing by not yes. having listened to a lot of Tom Waits. I did. I did think about that. I was like. I was like. Oh man, it's tough to talk about music. But I was like, this is the, this is maybe I can turn on one person to become a Tom Waits head. But yeah, no, right. What's cool with the playlist like this is like there really is so like every album that he has is is different. He has like a and there's there's just like so many different flavors. So like I'll make the greatest eight song playlist of Tom Waits that. And just know that uh, my favorite 
like my favorite sort of sad sack folk song kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, is like I'm willing to listen to heavy metal ballads. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the ones I like the best. Uh, the Amy Mann, mm-hmm. you know, sort of acousticy kind of stuff. I like that. So if you've if you've got you know. Um, if if you've got a, 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 a an idea there. Uh, I have a huge... You're going to love this. So just recently, I think like two weeks ago, or maybe a month mm-hmm. or so, um, Tom Waits, uh, there was an album of women covering Tom Waits, just got released, yeah. and, and Amy, Amy Mann is on there. Um, oh, okay. And Amy Mann's on there singing my favorite song by Tom Waits. And it's like... What? And What's your favorite song by Tom Waits? My favorite song by Tom Waits is called Hold On. And it's just, it's like of all the poetry, like he talks a bunch. If if you want to be inspired artistically, like he has some really beautiful talking about songwriting and how like you don't write a song, you just find it. And he's like, it's like farming. And he's like, you just water things. And sometimes like all this stuff that I think like as a comedian or writer, you're sort of like, it's very inspiring, even though I'm not a musician. Um, and he has like his most beautiful song of all his weird poetry songs. The chorus is just hold on. You got to hold on. And like, that's it. And I hear it and he sings it. And I'm like, uh, he's so wordy. And then that and Amy Mann singing it. Oh, I cry. You're going oh, awesome. to cry listening to it. that's awesome. I'm going to cry for sure. Yeah. Amy Mann is on that album. Um, so is Phoebe Bridgers. Do you know Phoebe Bridgers? I don't. I don't. She's, she's I'm awesome. Sure. And, um, and Patty Griffin, Roseanne Cash. And so what's, what's cool about his, and his cover albums or anytime people cover him is like, it's similar to, you know, Bob Dylan in that, like for the people that can't handle the voice, then all of a sudden it's like, I love when people cover Tom Waits because I'm like, I get why his voice is prohibitive for people. I totally understand. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't okay. want to force them on anyone, but if you get it, you get it. But whenever someone covers his songs and like, and they can be like, hear the beauty of his songwriting without it sounding yeah. like it's like sung by like a, a monster, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So why people like covers is a real, I mean, that's a real issue with Bob Dylan for me too, mm-hmm. is that I think that the, 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 the music is, is nice. I like, I like the song. I, and take a stand here. Bob Dylan's real good, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but with I mean, but the, the but the music is good, but and the and the lyrics are beautiful, mm-hmm. but his voice is sometimes prohibitive, and I can't understand the words. Yeah. Because he's growling them, or he's just kind of mumbling, and I'm just like, come on, man. I know there's you. You took the time to write the write the song. There's something. It's, it's like when Maria Bamford whispers a punchline. I'm like, <laughs> fucking enunciate you're like come on and so. <laughs> no there's i think there's something i i went to school for musical theater um and and i like i really really like a lot of musicals i love a lot of musicals but it was interesting i was getting into tom waits and bob dylan when i was going to school and there for singing and and i really really have a major I, I was on some doing some rant with my friend the other day uh, ripping on this very thing but it's like how they want the voices to be so pretty on broadway and they actually weren't all pretty like they weren't like what's her name um who's in sunday in the park with george uh steve martin the jerk uh, uh bernadette uh, peters Bernadette Peters. There you go. <laughs> no one. Listen, Thank God. No one, most okay. of all me, thought we were going to be talking about Bernadette Peters, but we're we're in the right. forest. But her voice is not traditionally pretty. Like it is not like there's jarring aspects to her voice. And mm-hmm. in and I feel like the thing with Bob Dylan, the thing with Tom Waits, like I love that it's like singing should not be prohibitive. If you can hit the note. Yeah. Then it's like how the human voice isn't meant to sound the, exactly the same. Like it's the greatest instrument in all of the world. And then you go to school for people to be like, I get it for opera. Like you have to learn how to sing opera, but for theater music, your voice should be able to do whatever it calls for. And I think a lot of times nowadays people sing very much similar styles 
And I love, I'm so drawn to the people that have weird voices that like Maria Bamford's a great example, obviously, like her voice is like complex right. and she instrument. And she can make it do, yeah, and she can make it do somersaults. So yeah. it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's fun to listen to her. So that's cool. I've just uh, put that, uh, uh, come up to the house, women sing weights oh, so on good. my Christmas list. There you go. Uh, you'll be happy to know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> that I'm, someone needs to. I'm very. I'm. I'm excited for you. I think. I think that'll, also. Yeah, that'll be great. He. Yeah, like. That's just a fun. It's cool that a person exists that like sings in weird ways. Like I'm glad there's 80 people that aren't doing it all over the radio. It's just he's like seems like I'm glad there's this one weird person out there doing his thing that doesn't give a fuck. Like. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's yeah. And. And, and it, and it's, and it's, he's doing it. I mean, do, do you feel like he's doing it for himself? And if you like it, you like it. And he like, it's not that he's not reaching toward the audience. It's just, he's reaching for a very specific audience who might enjoy what he wants to genuinely do. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that's very inspiring. Cause I think it's like, it was probably scary. I, I would imagine like when he first was like, I'm going to change my entire sound. Like I'm always amazed at those people that are like, throw it all away and are like, all right, let's see who comes on this journey with me. And then, you know, it may not be as many people, but they're like true believers in what you're doing and like, right. and love it, you know? And, and if you, you know, and quite honestly, I mean, this is a perfect example is stand up and, and COVID and all of these things is that if you get to do what you love to do, mm -hmm. you've already won. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, so I see that like his first album, that closing time album came out in 73 mm -hmm. and then he put out an album every year until 1978. And then, and then, um, 1980 was heart attack and vine and 1983 was swordfish trombones. Yeah. And then they became every two years and then five years between Frank's wild years and Bone Machine. Bone Machine is the scariest then, thing you'll ever hear. Scare, Bone Machine's weird. Really? Yeah. It's it's like, it's him going deep into these like dark songwriting places that are just like, that uh, that are just not, that that are like, I don't know. Like he, he wrote a concept album about, about this like weird German play where like this guy murders his whole family. And he... And then he also wrote a concept album about Alice in Wonderland. And so like, okay. And those, so and this is stone cold sober, the bone machine. Yeah. Yeah. This exactly. is 1992. Yeah. He's, this just... is he's like, he's like, I've been sober for 20 years. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there is, um, I think, uh, this is my projection, but I feel like maybe the downside or not the downside, but it's like all of those albums when he's releasing albums once a year, it's, you know, there's a template for what you're writing, which is like, you know, I'm writing the songs that like Louis Armstrong wrote only in my voice. It's like the bar piano. It's basically piano man, like sing us a song. You're the piano man. That's a lot, what a lot of those songs were like. Billy Joel had the radio hit and his were like the weird offbeat versions of that. A bunch of versions of those okay. songs. And then it's. Oh, okay. And so when an album comes out every five years at that point it's probably because it's like you're exploring new sounds and you can't just throw stuff out. Cause you're like, I don't know what's working, you know? Right. The black rider. How was, how was that? Do you remember that album? Yes. From that, 93. And that is also a musical, the black rider. Blood. Oh, it's a story. Yes, it is. Uh, it's like, um, what is it? It's like a Faustian story and it's about a guy who um, it's about a guy who wants to like woo his love. And so he like trades to get these like certain, certain uh, uh, arrows to okay. be able to impress her with his archery. But then uh, the person that sold him the arrows put a spell on them that they'll, they'll kill his love. So he shoots it and then he kills his love. Mm -hmm. Oh, good Lord. And then the show's over. Uh <laughs> You're just like, I, uh, why don't you hit her in the foot? Yeah. Anyway, so it's just a, you're like, no, it's going to be the heart. And then of course she dies. Yeah. And this, uh, this feels like, uh, this tale of someone who doesn't want to do the work. 
That's what it feels like. Uh, hey. Yeah, I'm sorry. Your, your Tinder profile is just, uh, it's a little aggressive. That's all I'm saying. Uh, how about you How about you tone it down a little bit? Exactly. And uh, you go slow. Go slow. You could do it. And so the one after that is mule variations. And that one's beautiful. It's much prettier. It has a few weird songs called Filipino Box Spring Hog is one that's really weird. But then there's some really... <laughs> really beautiful like he gets back into some of his piano vibes on that and that's where that, okay that song has my favorite song by him hold on which is which is you know when well, he, that's the one when he played that live it was like you know when you're at a show i don't know if, if you feel this but it's like with comedy you're never like oh man i hope they do my favorite joke oh my gosh he's doing he's doing the joke about um it's gotta hot be hot pockets or some game yeah, thing yeah exactly and um and but it's cool with the song that it, I, it, I was like, if he plays, hold on, like I think this will be the greatest <laughs> moment of my life. Your fingers were crossed. Yeah. For those of you not watching on YouTube, and you're wrong, because <laughs> uh, you can. Uh, Kevin James Doyle, by the way, is who I'm who I'm talking to, and it's at Kevin James Doyle. Those are all words that we all know how to spell. You can do it at Kevin James Doyle, and uh, you're like, no, yeah. people have trouble. They put an I in Doyle. No, it's a Y, you guys. Anyway, <laughs> so it's at Kevin J James Doyle. Thirty Year Old Virgin is the name of the comedy album, and the Bradshaw Boys uh, Sex in the City podcast is available everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Mm. So, um, but I interrupted you for some reason to do that little informative uh, fun fact. I love that. I love that, and yeah. I, I love that. Uh, um, I have okay. We have a few minutes left. I I want to tell you. The, can I tell you one cool story about him that I think is, is this is a cool story that I also I think rep like he doesn't do a lot of interviews, so he's someone that I want to get inside their head. And this to me is like very philosophically cool. But basically, yeah. he has. Um, changed legally changed informed our lives as artistic people because Frito Lay hired um he has a song called Step Right Up on his early album Small Change and okay. um he was uh Frito Lay wanted to use that song to sell chips corn chips yes you you were all familiar with some Frito Lay's corn chips right yes <laughs> and uh yes and so they went to license the song and he was like, no, I, I, I don't work for corn chips. It feels weird. It feels super weird. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Wait, to turn down the, to turn down the Frito-Lay's money? No, no. The, to, to even have them think that Yo, that would exactly. be something. Exactly. Yeah. Just like, we're going to use a Tom Waits song to sell some chips. Yeah. Is that, does that bother you? Yeah, it does. Oh, never mind. All right. Okay. So they got a... Um, they got a person that uh, is like an impersonator of him or just like listen to him. And so they, this commercial came out and he was, he was in an interview and they went to commercial, like on the radio, this is the seventies. And they went to, um, they went to commercial and then all of a sudden he heard uh, this, this, not his voice, but like this guy that sounded exactly like him. It was like, step right up, get your Frito-Lays. Oh, chips, blah, blah, blah. And, he sued Frito-Lay um, and it's the very first and he won the case, but it was like a very weird case because he they didn't use his voice. They didn't use his lyrics. They only used his right. likeness. And, yeah. And he was like, I'm sure he's softened with time, but like it literally created a new form of of like copyright law that is like they used his likeness. And they showed mm -hmm. to the jury and he even got the guy that was the impersonator. He convinced him by telling him, he was like, man, he's like, you stole my likeness. This is like, I don't want to use my music to sell chips. He's like very, I'm pure, <laughs> you know, artistically pure. And that <laughs> impersonator spoke on behalf of Tom Waits in the lawsuit against Frito-Lay. And he's oh like, oh my God. He's like, I was a fan yeah. of Tom Waits. Like I shouldn't have done this. Like, I'm sorry. And so he was the first, they created like a portion of, of law now that is like, you can't steal a person's likeness and profit on it. That's got to help in your Madden, in your Madden games for the football people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I think that the, the, I think the football guys get their, get a taste of the, of the games now. Yeah. Uh, now yeah. Because of that. Good for you, Tom Waits. I All know. Right, man. 
I know. That's outstanding. I thought I I, um, I thought that was great. So I'm like, man, this is like I wonder how many people at a certain point it could be like, whatever, it's not that big a deal. But it's like it's like, no, my music means more to me than corn chips. And I, I love Frito Lay right. and I love Tom Waits. But Well, and that's I mean that that's the crazy thing, is because I think there is a Bob Dylan like car ad that uses one of his songs, or I don't know, maybe there's a toupee thing blown in the wind. I'm uncertain. <laughs> I'm just I'm just making things up at this point. But here's but the weird thing is I do think that you, you know, I know that Jim Gaffigan, for example, mm-hmm. I don't know that this is true, but it's a great, I, when I saw him, mm-hmm. he did an amazing, I, I think we're all familiar with the fact that uh, Jim Gaffigan would like to talk about food. <laughs> he has more food comedy bits than I've ever heard in my whole life. Exactly. And he's a delight of a human being. And he had a long bit about McDonald's mm-hmm. and about how much he loves McDonald's and about how people are snobs about McDonald's and they should wrap it up. And it's, I mean, that's the gist of the joke yeah. and it's got a bunch of punchlines and it's great. So he does this on some televised thing that I saw. I think it was a benefit at the end of it. The thing is squeaky, 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 squeaky. At the very last second, of last line, it's almost as if he, like, you could almost, I could almost see something flick a switch where it was like, oh, Jesus, I bet you uh, McDonald's is going to want me to do ads for them. And so he alludes to the fact that uh, Ronald McDonald is a pedophile. <laughs> and that's he got out of that. that see that that's so i love that so much because it's like it's like the struggle of like of course like we all want money like that'd be great to like do a commercial yeah. but then there's i love the people that there's that thing of like rascalness that's like you know what i don't want to work for mcdonald's i want to tell jokes and he you know well you know Maria did that those Target ads for Target for at Christmas uh-huh. for I think three seasons, and eventually she was like, "You know, I don't think people should go to Target." But Target was psyched because she the ads were so successful yeah. that they saw like a spike in people buying. Like, why does Target even advertise? Who who's going somewhere else for their shiny plastic yeah. crap? Yeah, but I mean, so but I guess she did something that really improved sales. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, come on back. And she's like, okay. And then so she did like three, two or three seasons of this, two or three yeah. uh, holiday seasons. And then she said no. And they got someone to, port- to try to do what she did. What happened? And what she had been, if, if you look up the ads, because uh, they're on YouTube, they're, the ads are, she plays herself and her and a sister. Okay. She plays two characters, uh, two sisters. One is wild and crazy, and the other one is all buttoned up and mm-hmm. super OCD and is making a thousand uh, things by hand. And um, they both go to Target, and, uh, and, and they both love Target for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so they split it up to have two actors do that. But the weird thing is if you look at the the acting from that first – from her to the new thing, the new actors, the new directors, whoever was doing it didn't really get what Maria was doing mm. because – if you watch those ads, they're enormously subversive. Mm-hmm. You can't – at no time, she's like, this is nuts. I know it's nuts, mm-hmm. but I love it so. It's like it's like if she only ate Frito-Lays yeah, and eat, yeah. ate them all and that was the ad. Frito-Lays might love that and people might buy more Frito-Lays. But if they got someone else who didn't get that eating, it yeah. would just look gross. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what the second – that's what the two people – and it's I don't know who's – I don't think that's anyone's fault. Uh, it well, was just vision. It's vision, but it's like I think – it's hard to explain, but it's like – those are that's what that's the difference between like the copycat and like the raw uncut artistry of someone like like and I think that there is something to that that it's like you see something that it's like Tom Waits didn't have to exist Maria Bamford didn't have to exist they started to exist and then it seems regular like it seems like oh yeah like you do silly voices and also like you do this and then like I'm not punk rock to the point where I'd be like, oh, like I've done commercials and I would still do commercials. But it is really I think I've done some ads on this very program. Yeah. There you go. But it, <laughs> it's 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 cool also when you see the people that it's like, oh yeah, like Maria Bamford's so brilliant, so good that she can bring 
something to target that they could never even think of themselves just because of the way her her brain works, you know? And yeah. And then yeah. and then you want to put a dollar amount on it and it's like and it's like, yeah, there is a dollar amount, but it's great. It's cool to see people that can walk away from the dollar amount. Yes, because and that's what Tom White, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. Or like when, you know, everyone with the Chappelle show, everyone's inspired by like, how did you do that? And he's like, I just walked away. And it's kind of yeah, I think, wild. Yeah, it is. Well, it it feels it feels weird because it's there's this, this point where if you're sane enough to know mm-hmm. – that you have enough money. Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of like uh, when Jeff Bezos's wife, when he got divorced, yeah. his wife donated $17 billion <laughs> to diff. Like, cause I think she got $35 billion yeah. or something in the divorce billion. And she was like, I think I can donate a little, like half of this and still be okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah. That that's a that's a real sane kind of, you know. You're like, like Jeff Bezos has a trillion dollars. There's never going to be a check to check for that guy. You yeah, know, I, w- yeah. I mean, that's yeah. At a certain point, you're like, yeah, it's that's just a different mindset of under. Like, I I don't I wouldn't even know what drives that. Mind. Like one of the like, good, th- yeah. Like, uh, duh, how have I spaced the. Uh, J.K. Rowling. J.K. Mm-hmm. Rowling, the hill she decided to die on is a stupid fucking hill. Mm-hmm. But uh, here's the other thing is the fir- when she first became a billionaire, and she did probably 10 years ago or whatever, she donated enough millions to make her not a billionaire. She was like, I don't want to be a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. And now she's a billionaire again because it turns out the money's still coming in. Yeah. Like it's not. People it's are still buying like Harry Potter. She- yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, if Jeff Bezos gave away, he, he's worth something like $900 billion or as close to, he might be the first trillionaire yeah, or something like yeah. that. Like if he gave away all of it, like if he kept a dollar, uh, he would be a billionaire by the end of next year. Mm. It would be fine. And <laughs> so it's just dumb. But um, I hope that one day that I, that I will walk away. After, because right now I make thousands of dollars. What would I work? <laughs> Not right now, but uh, but 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 like when I when I when I look at like my like how much money I'm making now, I'm like I feel fabulously wealthy. Like yeah. I bought a pair of shoes the other day over the internet that I didn't even. I was like they may not even fit. I'm buying them. And uh, they were like 70 bucks. That feels super wealthy to me. That, and that's, I mean, that is the, uh, when you're around super rich people, if you've experienced enough of them in New York, that you're just like, they're not, ha- like, there, there's no way, uh, there's no way that you can know it until you like live it. But it's like, truly, if you're provided for, you have like, yeah there's so many there's that's a good outlook gratitude just enough enough to be able to buy some buy some shoes that you haven't tried on i think that's the level of wealth that right i live indoors yeah i have food i have a car with gas in it these are all very you know yeah this is i i'm i'm covered i think month to month i've got i've probably got six months and you know, and I'm grinding it out right now because yeah. it's COVID. And I'm like, I'm making, I'm working my ass off to make 300 bucks, a, like two or 300 bucks a week doing Zoom shows. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, just something, something coming in, yeah. something coming in. So I'm not, you know, it's not all going out. And I'm fine. I'm fine. But when I remember when we first went into lockdown in March, I bought like 10 pounds of rice and 10 pounds of beans. Uh, the rice moths got into it. I had to throw away <laughs> fucking five pounds of rice. I was so mad. Anyway, uh, I've digressed completely off of Tom Waits. No. Uh, you, we're at an hour, but t- what would you, is, will, will you make me a nice, I, a nice mixed of, of Tom Waits? I'll, it doesn't have to be the covers. Yeah, no, I'll make you a playlist of Tom Waits and, and I will find a, I'll find a nice eight songs, eight songs, and I have, yeah. I'll find like a short little interview with them that, that maybe you'll find fascinating. Yeah. 
Oh, that just a short. That you talked to Tom. What you talked to no, Tom? Waits? No, 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 no. Just a just an interview. Of, oh, of an article. I was like, "Holy smokes!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking about burying uh, the lead. No. Exactly. Here we are. <laughs> I love to find that. Like, I'll tell you. It. I'll tell you about it next time. It wasn't as cool <laughs> as I thought it'd be. It was just like he's. I was like, "Come on, man! It totally don't meet your heroes, okay?" <laughs> His breath smelled. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. It was, Oh. oh, that's awesome. Uh, okay, so, Kevin James Doyle, don't turn off your recording device. Uh, I would like to thank you for being on The Dork Forest. This was fascinating, and I look forward to getting uh, this. This wasn't, uh, I didn't feel as bad about not knowing who he was as I have with other musical heroes. I, so, I, well, th- yeah, thanks. I'm, I hope it was, I hope it was fascinating and not, not, yeah. you know, I hope if one little, if I'm excited for you to hear the playlist, that's what I'm excited for. Yeah. Me too. Me too. So Kevin James Doyle at Kevin James Doyle at all the places. 30 year old virgin is the name of the album. And the Bradshaw boys is the name of the podcast. Thank you for doing the show and Rangers, you know, the rules out there, take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we. You. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?